Welcome to the Retirement Oasis, a podcast that helps you enjoy, plan, and visualize a retirement lifestyle defined by you. Your hosts and fiduciary financial planners, Mel Bond and Steve Martin, are here to offer wisdom and encouragement along with financial and lifestyle ideas for your journey into the best season of life. And now at the helm today, your hosts, Mel Bond and Steve Martin. Thank you. And welcome again to the Retirement Oasis. This is Mel Bond, and I'm here with the other half of our retirement crew, Steve Martin. Hello, Mel. Looking forward to today's discussion about Social Security. Boy, and isn't it fun to talk about Social Security? Actually, it is. I mean, think about it. It's a a topic that connects all of us. We all have this need to understand more about Social Security. So today we're going to cover some of the fundamentals of Social Security. I mean, you know, you might find that we're going in deep on some topics, but basically we're trying to stay at at a higher level here. How benefits are calculated, what you might be expecting from Social Security, where you can find your estimated benefits, whether the questionable soundness of Social Security will prevent you from collecting any These are all issues that have a huge impact on your retirement planning. And so certainly we're going to tie it back to the concept of of retirement planning. So let's start with kind of an overview. And Steve and I are going to do this sort of as a question answer, almost like an interview. I'm going to be asking the questions. And Steve is our Social Security expert So he's going to give us um, the answers to our questions. So as far as an overview goes, you know, what is it? How's it structured? What can you expect? You know, the Social Security system was created to provide benefits for three purposes, retirement, survivorship, and disability. And like any government benefit, it's not free, of course. We, the workers, pay into the system in the form of FICA taxes, FICA being an acronym, F-I-C-A. In particular, though, it is referred to as the old age survivors and disability insurance. So O-A-S-D-I. And that portion of the FICA taxes, 6.2% of your earnings, and and there's a cap on that, plus 6.2% paid by your employer. If you're self-employed, you actually pay both of those together 12.4%. So, Steve, let's uh, jump in on our first question here. Who is eligible for Social Security benefits? Yeah, it's a pretty low threshold to be eligible. You generally need at least uh, 40 quarters or 10 years worth of work that you paid into the system, right? So the key is to, to have paid into the system. If you're uh, if you didn't report your earnings and you got to did freelance work and never report earnings, you're not eligible. But as long as you paid into the system for 10 years worth of work, then you are eligible. But other people other than just the earner would be eligible uh, and they really piggyback off the earner's history. And that's a spouse. There are spousal benefits. So we'll talk about this more. But you actually uh, the spouse did not have to receive a dime in earnings but he or she would still be eligible potentially. Same with divorce spouses. Divorce spouses can claim a benefit based on their ex-spouse's 
earnings history uh, with a number of caveats and different eligibility rules there. But for the most part, uh, spouses and divorced spouses can also be eligible for Social Security. Okay, that's who is eligible. Now, you use this phrase retirement benefits. And of course, as we mentioned, retirement is one of the three main benefits here. And that's the one that we're more, most interested in. But, and you talked about 40 quarters or 10 years worth of work. But how is that retirement benefit calculated by the Social Security Administration? Yeah, I don't want to get into the weeds on exactly how it's calculate, calculated, but let's just talk about the factors. So, earnings history, obviously, that's the big one. It's comprised of both your annual earnings and the number of years you worked. It also is impacted by when you start taking Social Security, or we call it the claiming age, if you will. Um, So let's dive deeper a little bit into the earnings history. So uh, the system takes into account your highest 35 years of earnings. So if you have paid into it for 55 years, well, thanks for those extra FICA taxes that you paid, but we're only going to give you benefit for 35 years. If you only worked 20 years, again, you're still eligible but the social security uh, calculation is gonna take into account 35 years. So again, if you only work 20 years, then 15 years, it's gonna be assumed that you had zero earnings and that's gonna go into the calculation. So certainly you're you're penalized if you have not paid into it for 35 years, but you still would be eligible again, as long as you had those uh, 10 years worth of uh, paid in work, if you will. So earnings history, that's a big factor. The other one, again, is claiming age. So we all know you can take, in general, Social Security as early as age 62. And as late as 70, actually, you can take it as late as you want. But uh, age 70 is generally the latest claiming age in which you'll get some extra uh, benefits from. And, you know, the full retirement age, that's kind of that anchor age, the age at which that base amount, the primary insurance amount is calculated. And for many people, it's 66 or 67, depending on your year of birth. So if you take it earlier than your full retirement age, that normal retirement age, of course, you're going to get a little bit less, right? If you take it later, uh, say at age 70, you're going to get a little bit more than you would have if you took the benefit if you claimed at age 67. And that makes sense, right? If you claim it at age 62, you're going to get more payments. So course the 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 payment amount has to be a little bit less if you take it later you're going to get fewer payments but a higher amount and the idea is to kind of have those amounts actuarially equivalent right based on the average life expectancy but we're going to talk about the optimal claiming strategy in the next episode that's probably foremost on everybody's mind but we wanted to establish uh, some of the fundamentals of social security first Yeah, so you said optimal claiming age. That sounds like fancy talk for when should I start taking my benefits? Yep, that's it. Okay. Also, I picked up on another phrase in here. Full retirement age is the anchor age for your benefit. And uh, so all of this discussion about how much my benefit is seems it's going to be centered around that topic. So uh, about that sort of full retirement age, that benefit that I think you may maybe said base benefit. What is the amount of that benefit? You know, what's what's the dollar amount of that benefit that someone might expect? 
Yeah, of course, I don't know all of the listeners' uh, earnings history, right? That will drive it. But let's talk maximums, and then we'll look at averages. So the maximum amount for someone receiving Social Security in, in 2022 uh, at full retirement age, like you said, that's kind of the, the base age or frame of reference for now. The maximum amount per month is thirty three forty five, so three thousand three hundred forty five dollars per month, and uh, it's a little over forty thousand. That's not an insignificant amount, but that assumes you basically had the maximum earnings, that cap amount, and that cap amount in today's dollars is one hundred forty seven thousand. So again, that's what you pay FICA taxes on up to that threshold. So if you made the maximum amount, one hundred forty-seven thousand in today's dollars. So obviously less than in previous years. Uh, for the full thirty-five years, you would get that maximum amount. So obviously, there's very few people that have that maximum amount. We have seen it, uh, but it's hard to have thirty-five years of that full amount. But that's the top end, forty thousand a year, let's say. And let's look through maybe some of the other averages. Let's say you made. About $100,000 uh, a year for 35 years. Your amount today would be around $34,000 at full retirement age. So still, that's a healthy benefit. Uh, at $75,000, it's $30,000. So again, if you average $75,000 a year for 35 years, it's thirty. dollars At $50,000, it's around $23,000. So as you can see, the impact of your earnings obviously makes a huge impact on your benefits, but it's not as impactful as you might think. I would call the this OASDI tax, I would call it progressive. I don't know if others use that term, but basically the Social Security Administration in their calculations, they replace a higher percentage of lower earning workers than higher earning workers. So, you know, each extra dollar at the higher end that you pay in FICA taxes it doesn't translate in benefits. So to me, that's that's progressive. I won't touch on the fairness of it. it. It could be fair and it's it's the society we live in, but that's how social security works. So you get a bigger bang for your buck at those, at those lower uh, income levels. So again, pretty big range there, as you can see, Mount. So what's the average? 2022, the average was around $20,000. Still a pretty significant amount that could help you know some folks and some folks are totally relying on that so that's not insignificant but for the most part i would say that the demographics of those folks that are listening to this podcast that have had a full career probably in the range of 25 to 40,000 you know mel with with our clients that's probably the range that we typically see somewhere around there of course if Someone wasn't working 35 years. You know, if some uh, spouse stayed at home, obviously they still contributed significantly to society, but they probably won't be in that range because they had uh, less years of work, if you will. Okay, there's that phrase again, full retirement age. So I, obviously the word age is in there. That means uh, how old are you? And uh, when we start to thinking about uh, when we want to retire and take Social Security, Sometimes our age is different than the full retirement age. So what is the impact of claiming our Social Security benefits at an age other than that full retirement age? Absolutely. And as I said earlier, yeah, if you take it earlier, you're going to get less. If you take uh, your benefits after that full retirement age, you're going to get a bit more. Uh, and just as a side note, Mel, that full retirement age, 
generally for those that are retiring, uh, you know, generally between 66 and 67, depending on one's year of birth. But for those, uh, I think, born 61 or later, it's um, age 67. So I think that's the claiming age for uh, for you and I in that age might be moved back. Right. We always uh, have heard about the the soundness or lack of soundness with the uh, with the trust fund. We'll talk more about that, but just know that that's the current age, but it might be changed with future legislation. So what happens if you take it earlier? Well, in general, um, your again, benefit is reduced. It's reduced on a monthly basis, depending on how many months before the full retirement age you do claim your benefits. It's not based on when you retire. Again, it's based on when you claim the benefits, when you first tell Social Security to make that first distribution. So the first three years that you take it earlier, your benefits reduced by roughly 7%, 6.7%. If if you take it uh, much earlier, kind of before those three years, it's reduced by 5% per year. And this is all in in our blog, uh, probably get into more into the weeds than what you want on this podcast. But if you take it later, most of you know, if you take it after Social Security, after your full retirement age, up until age 70, it increases by 8% per year. So certainly some would say there's a benefit of waiting because that benefit is increased pretty significantly. You know, if somebody had a full retirement age of 67 and they waited till age 70, well, that full retirement age benefit, and we call that the primary insurance amount, kind of that base amount, if you will, that at age 70, if you wait, it's increased to 124% of that base amount. Whoa, that's huge. Absolutely. Seems like a no-brainer, right, to go ahead and wait. Yeah, wait. Um, But the downside, you get fewer payments, right? You know, if you start at 62 compared to age 70, you get eight years more worth of payments. Uh, The downside is, Again, if you start at age 62, it, it can be reduced, and actually it could be reduced by 30% or so if you take it earlier, depending on year of birth. So again, it's reduced pretty significantly instead of 124% of the base amount, it's only 70% of that base amount in general if you take it uh, as early as age 62. So there's pros and cons. Yeah, pros and cons. All right, so let's talk about those pros and cons here for a second. You know. Uh, talking about how things work are great and we need to know that but you know our listeners want or want some help figuring out what should they do about claiming the benefits and so how do these adjustments in the amount of the benefit based on your claiming age impact your strategy to determine you know the optimal time to claim yeah, and, and we don't want to answer that fully here in brief, Mel. Uh, you and I always say, and the, the true answer is it depends on when the optimal claiming age is. Because again, if you're taking it earlier, you're taking you're receiving much smaller benefits than if you took it at age 70 or age 67, but you're getting more benefits and vice versa. So uh, there's not one right answer. You know, it depends on a lot of different factors, one's longevity. It depends on the rate of return that you might get from these extra earlier payments from Social Security and some other individual factors that we won't look at here. But it really should be uh, the decision on the optimal claiming age should be based on your unique circumstances, your your cash flow, income taxes, longevity 
many advisors I know uh, say that, okay, always take it at age 70. Everyone should take it at age 70. It's a no-brainer. It's such a huge benefit. It provides that kind of annuity stream, if you will, regardless of how long you live. Uh, and there's some uh, credibility to that belief, but I think that is a little bit too myopic to say that everyone should take it age 70 because there's benefits of taking it, uh, in some cases, earlier than that. So we'll get into that more in the uh, next episode. Right. Okay. And also, as we'll talk about in future episodes, you got to get yourself ready for that claiming age, you know, get your portfolio ready, think about your when you're actually going to retire, are you going to do any part-time work? All of those come into play with the decision. But it's not always just about me and what my claiming age is. It's also about, uh, often, it's about a, a spouse and what benefits will they receive as it relates to my benefits. And uh, so talk to us about the, the spousal benefit, Social Security benefits. Yeah, it can be pretty generous, and most of the listeners probably know about this, but Mel, I know you and I are always surprised when we meet with someone and they did not know that they would be eligible to receive these spousal benefits, even though they uh, didn't work or didn't have you know many years of earnings, if you will. So in general, the spouse can uh, get the higher of his or her own Social Security benefit or 50% of the other spouses, let's call it the higher earnings uh, higher earning spouse's base amount, the, the uh, primary insurance amount or the amount that uh, he or she would receive at full retirement age. So so in general, you can get a, up to 50% of the other spouse's benefit. So as a couple, they can potentially get 1.5 times of that primary insurance amount, which which can be quite generous. You know, if it's a, the maximum amount of 40,000, I talked about that figure earlier as the maximum amount. So the couple in that case, if there was just one earning spouse, uh, the couple can get $60,000 collectively. Um, you know, if you have two maximum earning couples, though, and, and they weren't reliant on the spousal benefit, they can get, you know, $80,000 at full retirement age. That's rare, but we see it. But certainly we do see that spouses that put in a lot of time and in, in raising the kids, et cetera, can still get a pretty nice benefit with this spousal benefit. But to get the spousal benefit, the non-earning spouse has to be at age age 62. You know, in most cases, there's a few caveats there. And, and the other key is that the other spouse must already be receiving his or her own benefit. In some cases, that there used to be a real uh, claiming strategy related to, you know, a deemed filing and then doing a retroactive uh, uh, application to get some higher benefits, but that's no longer available. But in general, uh, the spouse, the other spouse must currently be receiving his or her own benefit as well to get those spousal benefits. And, you know, the age difference, right, between the working spouse and the non-working spouse plays into these strategies. Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah, for the spouse to get the 50% benefit, uh, you're exactly right. That that assumes the spouse, uh, the, the non-earning spouse, let's call it for now, is taking it at full retirement age. So, if again, the spouse takes it earlier, that spousal benefit is also reduced just as if one's own benefit was reduced. So not quite in the same manner, but very similar on kind of the percentage reduction. There is a different, oddly enough, a different for retirement age uh, table uh, based on the spousal benefit. 
but just know that, yeah, if, if the spousal takes it earlier, then their benefit is reduced. But the rule that, okay, if you wait to take it until age 70, your benefit is increased, that doesn't apply to the spousal benefit. So really, the spouse in general doesn't want to wait until after uh, the full retirement age to start taking the spousal benefit. It's a different, uh, different analysis if, the, if both spouses have uh, er, you know, earnings on their own record in which they are getting the, their benefits from. Oh, well, that's interesting because that means that 8% a year increase from full retirement age up to age 70, if you got a spouse who's going to be taking those benefits, it's not a full 8% increase, right? It's only 8% on the main benefit and no increase on the spousal benefit. Yep, that's exactly right. All right. Um, let, let me I'll shift to uh, widower benefits, uh, similar to spousal benefits, but that's what happens. What, what are the benefits after one spouse dies? Well, the let's say the non-earning spouse in this case, they can take really the higher of their own benefit. If they were working, I should say, if they were an earning spouse, they can get the higher of their own benefit or the deceased spouse's benefit. Of course, if they were a non-earning spouse, though, then they would clearly just take over the higher earning spouse's benefit at death. And it's important to keep this in mind, these rules in mind, as we think about the optimal claiming age, because the optimal claiming age, it's a little more simple of a decision for a single individual. But the fact that the surviving benefit a survivor can get 100% of the deceased spouse's benefit changes the analysis a bit. So that is important to keep in mind. And we talked about the claiming age. You asked me about that earlier, how it impacts the, the spousal benefit. It also impacts this widower benefit. So if the widow starts taking his or her own benefit before full retirement age, then the benefit, of course, is reduced as well. And also, it's the, the benefit for the widow is impacted when the uh, deceased spouse started taking his or her own benefit. Also, I won't get into all the nuances there, but just know it it can be complicated uh, regarding what that true benefit that the widower might receive based on when they start taking and when generally when the deceased spouse started taking uh, Social Security as well. And a couple of nuances on the widower benefit. One is regarding the age at which the widower can start claiming. For the widower, or I should say in general, that the non-widower kind of the regular claiming strategy, I should say, you can start taking it as early as age 62, right? We talked about that earlier. With the widower, though, you can begin drawing as early age as age 60 in most cases. In some cases, maybe even earlier, but for the most part, age 60 is when the widower can start taking it. Again, uh, benefits are reduced if you start taking it at age 60 versus full retirement age or even age 62. And the rules around widowers creates a uh, planning opportunity, a particular claiming strategy that still applies to widows. You know, there used to be some unique claiming strategies for, for spouses, uh, and those have been done away with for the most part. But widowers can kind of game the system a little bit, if you will. This could be a future episode, but in general, the, the widower can decide to take the uh, widower benefit early on and not take their own benefit if they had pretty good earnings record themselves, uh, they can wait to take their own benefit until age 70. And by doing this, they're able to get those enhanced credits, if you will. So they take this 
widower benefit earlier, even though, yeah, it's reduced, but it does not impact the ability to continue to get those enhanced credits on their own record. So it's uh, a legitimate claiming strategy and one that we often look at for many of our widower clients. Of course, that assumes that the widower had not already started their own benefits. They The first benefits they claimed were as a, a widower, and then at age 70, they switched to their own benefit. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, mistakes can and have been made on what what kind of benefit you apply for. So, yeah, you have to be careful around that. Yeah. You know, another interesting rule on widowers is marrying before age 60. Uh, word of caution here, if a widower remarries before age 60, then the widow widower cannot get a surviving benefit from the widow's late spouse's earnings record. So age 60 is a key age. Uh, and we've heard stories about this, about potentially getting married before age 60 or moving a marriage back as they learn the learn more information on that. So you want to, before doing that, you want to know, um, you know, who you're marrying because you can't get benefits on your new spouse's earnings record. And if they have a better earnings history than the, the uh, your late spouse, then maybe, maybe that's okay. But you want to understand what the uh, what the earnings record is of your uh, fiance, I guess, if you will, before you decide on the exact date of marriage. Again, if if finances control the decision on when to get married, which oftentimes they do not, of course. Well, but they they do later in life sometimes, right? So uh, less so maybe earlier in life. All right. Well, so um, the other thing is divorce spouses, right? What, what how do how does that play into this benefit calculation? Yeah, I'll just touch on this briefly. Uh, divorce spouses, as we said earlier, can also get benefits based on their ex-spouse's benefit. Uh, to be eligible, though, the marriage must have lasted for at least 10 years or more. I think uh, the Social Security or, or Congress realized that uh, one could really game uh, the system here if that rule was not in place. In the divorce spouse, the benefits, uh, they're eligible for the benefits regardless of whether or not the ex-spouse is dead or alive and whether or not the ex-spouse is currently receiving Social Security or not. So that's a little bit different rule than, uh, than a, the widower. And again, it's generally just that 50% benefit, not 100% benefit. The 100% benefit generally applies to widowers. And that 100% benefit could apply to divorce spouses, so 100% of the ex's benefit if the ex-spouse is deceased. So a few rules around divorce spouses. Don't want to get in too much of the weeds, but just know to, to look at the rules and really understand what you might receive uh, and understand that you potentially can still get benefits if you were divorced. Well, Steve, those uh, spousal benefits can be kind of complex, depending on your specific situation. Let's move on to your actual Social Security benefits and uh, how we go about finding out what your benefits are. And so give us an idea of uh, where an individual can go to find out what their, their benefits are. Yeah, and in the, in the old days, we would, on an annual basis, I remember as a kid receiving my Social Security statement. It's kind of silly to, to get one when you're 18, but they did away well, with sending. Not everybody started work when they were 10. Exactly. That's true. That's true. So it uh, added up quickly for me. Uh, but yeah, the uh, 
But Social Security Administration did away with sending individual statements. They still send it to those who are, I believe, over age 60. So you will still get a hard copy statement. But for the rest of us, you can go online and find your statement there and in other ways to determine what your benefit could be. So certainly finding a, a statement online and online calculators as well. As you get closer to retirement, you can go into the Social Security Administration. Um, that's very time consuming. And I like to see hard documentation of, of what you could expect. Oh, okay. So you said go into Social Security. You mean like you could actually go into the office, right? You when, could. You're, when you're getting close. So that's what you were mentioning. That's right. That's right. Okay. But so where, where do they go online to get this statement, the official statement? Yeah, certainly feel free to Google it, but uh, we've got reference to this in the show notes, but it's ssa.gov slash online services. So just go on to ssa.gov and start searching around, but you can uh, find it that way. If you don't have an account set up, you need to set up an account, of course, and there's some security issues around that, but it takes uh, doesn't take too long to register, but you will need to register if you don't have an online account yet. But once you have that, then you click, make a few clicks here and there, and eventually go to ssa.gov slash my account slash statement. Um, so that should get you to where you need to be eventually, uh, initially. And in that statement, they'll give you um, different information, whether or not you're currently eligible for the benefits, uh, how close you are to becoming eligible. If you're not, it'll describe your earnings records. You can review that there. And it, again, will include in estimate of your benefits. Anything else about that statement? I've seen mine when it comes and I'm like, seem, I don't know, some of it seems very straightforward and some is, is not quite as much. So tell us a little more about the, uh, the statement and, um, and, and how to read it. Yeah, it, it does seem straightforward, but it, uh, it can be deceiving because it, what it gives you isn't necessarily what you're going to be uh, receiving. So it'll show you what your benefits are at different initial claiming ages. You know, it'll show at age 62, if you're not 62 yet, it'll show your full retirement age and age 70. And actually, the new statement even shows uh, each age in between what the uh, benefit would be if you started or if you claimed Social Security at those respective ages. Uh, in the online tool as well, you can kind of toggle those uh, for those different ages as well. But you've got to be careful about reading the statement or looking at the basic online tool because the benefit uh, estimates are just that, and it uses various assumptions to give you your estimate, and that's where the error could occur. It has to assume a certain future income, right, to give you your future benefit estimate. So if you're still working, what the system does, it assumes you continue to make what your last year's of income was. And again, as we talked about earlier in the episode, the SSA uses the top 35 years, your top 35 earning years to calculate your actual benefit. So if you can imagine if your last year was was higher than normal uh, or higher than what it will be going forward, then your estimates might be inflated. Or if last year, let's say you worked part-time, it uses that amount going forward. That might mean your estimates could be a little bit um, underestimated, if you will. So be careful of knowing what those assumptions are and how they derive those benefits. So that's one issue with that 
the estimate calculation. The other one is how long you're going to continue to be working. So at those various ages, let's say 62, full retirement age and age 70, those estimates assumes that you will continue to work at that future income up until that specific age that it shows. And that's the that's the biggest issue I have with the Social Security statement in this online tool. Most people, you know, if they retire, uh, most people will re be retiring probably between, you know, 60 and 65, right? Some certainly work until 70. But, but if you retire at 62 and you're looking at the age 70 claiming amount, then that's probably going to be inflated. It depends on your history. But more than likely, that, that could be inflated quite a bit because, again, the statement assumes that you're going to work at that full income until age 70. So another eight years, maybe, than what my example uh, assumed you were going to be working till. So be careful with that. So those statements, take it with a grain of salt. It may be spot on or pretty close to your situation, or it could be quite a bit off. So just know what how your situation corresponds with the assumptions Social Security Administration assumes. Yes. So um, what can we do uh, to get a more accurate benefit estimate you know so here here's we've got all these details on the statement I'm trying to figure out what's going to work how, how do we get uh, a number that you might say is more accurate or more usable for for a near retiree yeah, there's there's a couple of different ways. Uh, certainly, go online, and as I said, yeah, the the statement isn't the best. So the online tool is a little bit better. At least one of the online tools, that interactive online tool that you see when you first log into your account, you can toggle the different retirement ages a little bit, play around with the income a little bit. It's not super customized, but it is better than the statement. So that's one way, just that basic online tool. But then there's Social Security has a whole host of different calculators. Some are better than others. And I won't run through all this. You can go online um, to see our uh, show notes for a list and our blog for a description of these. But it's under their benefits slash calculators under their uh, website. You got the retirement age calculator and earlier, later retirement calculator that gives you some general information. But the more specific calculators that you want to look at to get a slightly better estimate one is called literally online calculator. So that's a decent one in which you can plug in your earnings history, plug in your future income. You could vary it a little bit, um, but really it's just kind of that going forward income that you can vary. You can't vary five different years worth of income, for example. So you can vary that a little bit. You can vary your retirement age and, and get a little bit closer maybe than what the statement would provide. There's another calculator called creatively enough, a detailed calculator. And Mel, as you would expect, that's it's a little more detailed. So it's an Excel-based, you download <laughs> this tool, and, uh, and you can play around with the numbers a little bit more. That's the tool that will uh, provide the most accurate estimate for your situation. But it can be difficult to, uh, to use, and sometimes there are problems with downloading it. I had trouble downloading it before this, this session, so it's kind of hit and miss about whether or not it's going to be working for you. But it is something to, uh, those couple of options are good ways to look at your, your benefits. And of course, you can work with a professional to uh, help you hone in on that, your, uh, your estimates. Yeah, I mean, 
the details matter and uh, it might be worthwhile to talk to a professional a little bit. Well, so uh, there's a lot of ways then for people to go find out what their benefits might be in various forms. But, you know, we we sometimes get this question and I, I don't think it's a, an unfair question at all. We've all read about the Social Security Administration, how it's funded, how it receives income and how it pays that out. We've heard that it's. Uh, you know, when when it was first created, the life expectancy was only 67 years. So paying benefits at age 65, you were, the government was only obligated to pay benefits on average for, you know, two, two and a half years. And now we're living into our 80s. So is Social Security going to be around and still in existence when I retire? And um, clients ask us, uh, should I assume that these full social security benefits are going to be here or should i maybe assume that i might only get half of that benefit so we get those kind of questions quite a bit and you and i have talked about it too so why don't you give us an idea of how you might respond to someone who's asking that question about the solvency of the social security administration yeah the, there certainly is a reason to be a little bit concerned about the I don't know if I'd say the solvency, but the viability of 100% benefits for everybody over the long term if they don't do anything. It is a misperception, though, to say that Social Security isn't going to be around or that the system's going to be broken in 19 or, excuse me, in 2035. It is true that the reserves, kind of a, a reserve account to cover future benefits, that is going to dry up. Uh, it's estimated to be dry up in, in 2035. But you still have those future earners that are paid into the Social Security system that will help pay the current benefits, uh, some of the current benefits. And the estimates say that, yeah, you're, we're going to get about 75 to 80 percent of our current benefits if, so, if, if the government, if Congress doesn't act to shore up the system a little bit more. And they will. You know, they did back in 1983, kind of the same actuarial calculations. It's like, oh, people are living longer. We need to make some changes. So they did make some changes in 1983. They pushed, you know, the full retirement age back a bit. And it really applied to those, I believe, that were 45 and younger. So my thinking is, okay, that's, they don't want to surprise anyone that's too close to retirement. So they determined age 45, maybe they, uh, those folks wouldn't be too upset. Maybe they uh, didn't even pay attention to the social security uh, changes at that age. So they got away with it, uh, but they're going to have to do something. There's, we can make that a uh, different a episode about what they should do, but I think they are going to push the retirement age back again. And pride, we generally say, man, I think those 50 and below might, might be impacted, maybe 45 and below. I think if you're 60, 65 and you haven't started taking social security yet, I think you're probably going to be safe. There are no guarantees, but I think uh, I think those folks are safe in terms of getting their full benefits. But you want to be conservative in your estimates. And, and as, again, especially for those 45 and younger, assume that maybe you are only going to get a portion of your current benefits or what's estimated currently. You know, I'll just say this. Some kind of Social Security income has a huge impact on the retirement plans that we run for clients. And so... For a client to say, oh, I'm not going to get anything, 
they they might they're they're usually really surprised when they see what it's going to take to retire without any Social Security income. So, yeah, we uh, we want to be conservative in our financial projections, right? In our retirement analysis, and we use a number of assumptions that are slightly conservative. Um, I think you're right, though, to assume zero Social Security. I think that's a little bit too conservative, and that would impact the retirement planning significantly. It might. Numbers might say, okay, if we don't assume Social Security, you're going to have to work seven years longer. And that would stink unless you really like like what you're doing and plan on working regardless. If you come to you know age seventy and full Social Security is around and you assumed it wasn't, hey, you're gonna you're not going to be able to get those seven years back. You may end up being able to spend a little bit more money, or you may end up dying with more money than you had hoped. Your kids might get a little bit larger of a, a legacy, if you will. But you can't get those seven years back. So I think you don't want to be too conservative in that uh, financial modeling, that retirement analysis, and assume zero Social Security. Um, again, for clients that we work with that are younger male, we usually do pull that back, you know, reduce it by, you know, five to 15%, uh, depending on how conservative we want to get, uh, reduce those benefits and, and see how those chips fall. But for those that are closer to retirement, to assume no Social Security is, um, isn't logical. Yeah, and those uh, who are young enough to maybe be affected by a change in the benefits, they still have many, many years to work and save, and a little change here and there can can make it up. Well, <clears throat> so we've had a quick review of the fundamentals of Social Security. Um, we did not give you an exhaustive, detailed review of all the ins and outs. Your action step would be to understand what your potential benefits are would be under various scenarios and to see how that impacts your retirement planning. We'll touch on the optimal strategies for claiming your benefits in the next episode. So thank you for joining us today at the Retirement Oasis. For more information, please go to theretirementoasis.com where you can find links to additional resources mentioned in this episode. If you need guidance and encouragement in planning for your individualized retirement, and you want a fresh approach from a fiduciary professionals, please visit our firm's website at oasiswealthplanning.com. And you can schedule an exploratory call with either Steve or myself. Also, if you really liked what you heard, we would appreciate it if you would go to your favorite podcast platform, give us a rating and review. It helps us share with others uh, the benefits of what we talk about here at the Retirement Oasis podcast. So until next time, we wish you clarity, confidence, and cheer on the way to your retirement oasis. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Retirement Oasis podcast. You can find more episodes and resources at theretirementoasis.com. Steve Martin and Mel Bond are certified financial planning practitioners at Oasis Wealth Planning Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm headquartered in Nashville with meeting locations throughout the Southeast, including Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. The opinions given are for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, financial planning, or tax advice. Consult your own professionals for recommendations specific to your situation. Investments involve risk. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. On behalf of the crew at the Retirement Oasis, we thank you for listening. 